SHSS podcast. Let's talk learning. Today we welcome Christopher O'Sullivan, TD, to Sacred Heart. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Christopher O'Sullivan. I am a TD that represents Corksa West Area. I'm 39. I'm from Clannacilty. And yeah, that's, that's, about, that, that's, that's about it. What would you say your best memory of your school days was? It's my best memory of my school days. Do you mean school days in general or school days here in Sacred Heart? School I say days. specifically here in Sc- Sacred Heart, if you've got any stories or anything. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we all loved coming up here to Sacred Heart. You can imagine. So Sacred Heart used to do a repeat Leaving Cert course. And there was a bunch of us down in the community college in Clannacilty, which is just over here where mainly the guys go to. There's a few girls go there as well still, but it's, it's mainly guys. It was all our kind of dream to come up. We had an opportunity to come to the convent. So we said, yeah, let's, let's take that opportunity. That's, that's amazing. We get to go to a girl's school who gets an opportunity to do that. So, um, yeah, th- I mean, that, that was incredible. We used, we used to absolutely love it, love it up here. Probably for me, the, the most standout memory was this is where I actually met my first ever serious girlfriend was here in, in, in the convent because at that time it was a boarding school as well, which um, you probably, I'm not sure if you remember when it was a boarding school, but they used to have borders here and they used to have international borders here from right across the globe. And in this particular year, they had some Mexican uh, borders here. So yeah, my, my first ever girlfriend, I met her here. She was, her name was Yvette. She was from Mexico. Yeah. That's a pretty decent memory to have from school, I think, isn't it? That's yes. Yeah. Pretty decent. So why did you attend Sacred Heart? So that, as, as, as I was saying, there's a couple of reasons. There's a couple of answers to this. And by the way, guys, if I go on too long, please don't be afraid to, to interrupt me. I have a tendency just to kind of waffle on. <laughs> oh, just so, so, don't but, worry about it. Yeah, you just interject, right? That's pol- Politicians <laughs> tend to waffle. You, you, you learn that. So there's a couple of reasons, as I said. Number one, we couldn't believe that we had a chance to come to an all-girls school. So we, we, there was a bunch of us. There was about 15 guys who had made our mind up guys, we can repeat in the convent next year. Let's do it. So we t- it totally took our focus off the leaving cert that year. So that, that was that was one reason. But there was another reason. I think this is actually more relevant to anybody who's listening to this today. And it's kind of comes back to we had Minister Simon Harrison last week. If, if, if it was the last week or this week, it was last week. And he was talking about, you know, this obsession with CAO points and the obsession with the points race and the real kind of focus to get into universities in particular and how that's that that should not be the case anymore that there's several different ways to kind of progress your education and get qualification well this was a perfect case in point because those 15 guys that i'm talking about none of us had a notion what we wanted to do in life we were 17 18 and we just didn't know we didn't have that clear direction Many people did. Many people knew exactly what they wanted to do. They knew exactly what course they wanted to do in college. They knew what profession they wanted to do. We didn't. So as well as an opportunity to go to an all-girls school, it was also an opportunity to kind of buy us some time to kind of think about what the hell we wanted to do. Minister Harris last week was saying that, you know, and, and I, I'd, I'd reiterate this message to any fifth and sixth year students that are listening, you know, take your time. There are other options out there besides going straight into university you might just want to take a year out there are, are the, there's these plc courses and further education courses that you can do that kind of give you a flavor of maybe what you'd want to do so you can do it in nursing you can do it in music you can do it in crazy things like making guitars or boat building if you want to become a boat builder there's, there's those options <laughs> out there you can do it in science you can do it in zoology 
I think it's a really good option to buy yourself that bit of time. So in a lo- really long winded way, you've asked me why I came to the convent. It was just to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. But also I had an absolute blast up here. It was, it was one of the, the best years I've ever had in my life and still is to this day. What did you study at college and why? I studied law in, in University of Limerick, mainly because there was this really good show on TV at the time called Ali McBeal. I don't know if, if you've ever seen it. It's like, it's, it's like, oh, what's this like? It's like Matlock or it was this, re- it, it was this amazing show set in, I think it was in Chicago and Ali McBeal was this kick-ass lawyer. She used to represent all different types of people. And it was one of those shows where it would be a really kind of dramatic turn of events. And you started having empathy with potentially the criminal and Ali McBeal was representing the criminal and she'd get him off the hook and you were like, yeah, go on Ali McBeal. So that's what I thought law was going to be, you know? <laughs> I thought we were all going to be Ali McBeals and representing people in court. Turns out that it's mainly about selling properties and conveyancy and it, it gets pretty boring. But yeah, it, it was law. I, I suppose with an eye on the political world, it was good to have a legal background as well, because in the end of the day, what we do is introduce legislation and write legislation and amend legislation. So it was there was a kind of a connection there. So that was uh, that's what I did. And that's that's why I did it. Were you always interested in politics? There was always an interest there because it was always in the family. My uncle DF was a, a counselor in Skibbereen area. My father went on to become a TD. That's essentially how I got into politics finally was through being co-opted into, into his seat. Some people kind of say, you know, that's an easy way to get into politics, but it was, I, I was just out of college and, I, and, and again, it was a big decision to make. And ultimately it was, it was the right thing to do. And I've, you know, I've got reelected myself on, on several occasions since, but there was always, politics was always in the family. I was always an avid watcher of current affairs shows. When current affairs shows was really good, there was a brilliant show called Questions and Answers, which was really, really in- engaging. And even the Late Late Show back then was an amazing current affairs show where real like important social topics and social issues like divorce, abortion, these really hard to talk about social issues that people were afraid to talk about at the time. These were, these were things that were being talked about on, on TV then. So, um, yeah, that, that's, there was always an interest in politics. Yeah. We see from your Instagram that you're passionate about the environment. Have you always loved wildlife? Yeah, I think, and I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to credit my mum for this love of wildlife. She's always put up bird feeders in our, in our garden and we all grew up on a diet of David Attenborough documentaries and <laughs> but you know it wasn't until later in life that I, I realized what I really wanted to do I think I was in my uh, in my late 20s or that I really loved wildlife I should say I was in my late 20s and I was really looking for a hobby okay I was I was single okay I had lots of spare time in my hand probably too much spare time I tried fishing and that was unbelievably boring I couldn't stick with that I tried surfing Okay. And I was actually getting okay at surfing until I nearly drowned in Long Strand. If you probably know Long Strand, that was a horrible experience. So surfing was, oh, I just wasn't brave enough. And then I discovered finding rare birds was, was this thing that people do that they go to in, in spring and autumn, they go to headlands and islands and they look for these birds that have been blown off course. And I know it sounds a bit niche and you kind of say, how the hell could anybody get into that? But the, the best way I can describe it, it's like Pokemon Go. I'm not sure if you guys have ever played Pokemon Go. Do you know the thrill you get of finding that rare Pokemon? Yeah. That's kind of the same thrill of finding a rare bird in some island or peninsula. So this became an absolute obsession, actually, in the end. And then in my bird watching days, I started watching whales and dolphins off the coast of West Cork. 
And, you know, I'm not sure. Would you guys know about whales and dolphins off West Cork? Have you ever seen any? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've heard of them, but I wouldn't have seen them much myself. I think I've seen one once. There you go. You know, what you say to most people and they're like, what, we get whales and dolphins off whiskey? You must be joking. But if we kind of give ourselves a bit of time and open our eyes and immerse ourselves in nature, there's incredible spectacles out there. And it's so rewarding as well when you see these things. So when you, let's say, take off from Court McSherry or from Union Hall or from Baltimore in a boat, and within an hour, you're surrounded by humpback whales, these incredible giant animals of the ocean and their bubble net feeding, and sometimes they breach completely out of the water. It's like, I mean, these are the things that we used to watch in, in Attenborough, and we didn't think that we could see it here in Ireland, but you actually can. So I, I would say to anybody, like, if you get the opportunity, it's right here on our doorstep. You don't have to go to New Zealand, or you don't have to go to Canada to do this. Right on your doorstep, you can see the second biggest animal that has ever lived, the fin whale, at about 27 meters. That's just, it's out here. Like, okay, we can't see it from where we are now, but, you know, it's, it makes sense to be from West Cork and to be into wildlife. And that's, that's kind of where that passion came from. How has this like inspired your political agenda? There's this saying in politics and that is there's no votes in conservation. Okay. So what that means is that in general, politicians would stay away from anything to do with conservation or anything to do with wildlife or anything to do with the environment. But because of people like you and people your generation and people in, in your year and a few years older, there's kind of a, a little mini revolution has started and, and young students are taken to the streets and they're demanding change and they're demanding that we take action on climate. Therefore, I think it, it's a really good time to have someone like myself in there who is passionate about the environment, passionate about climate change, passionate about biodiversity. So whereas before politicians would have kind of stayed clear of this because it was unpopular and you wouldn't get reelected, I think that's changing. Particularly if you want to engage with younger people, you have to show that you're serious about, about climate action. So a couple of things that we've done and, and, and that I'm kind of proud of being involved in is we've, in 2021, we introduced the Climate Action Bill. And this was a bill that set in law emissions targets. So we, you, everybody here knows greenhouse gas emissions, carbon, CO2 emissions, they're polluting the environment, they're causing global warming, and we're seeing the impacts, not just in the Arctic and Antarctica, but right here in Ireland, you see more flooding. So that's been caused by greenhouse gas. And what we've done is set in law a cap on the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that we as a country are allowed to emit over the next, until 2030 and then 2050. So the limit is 51% reduction by 2030, carbon neutrality by 2050. I think that's amazing. I, no government has ever done that. And, and it shows that we are really serious about climate action. The key now is we actually have to go ahead and reach those targets. So we've done, we've put the legislation in place. We now need to do it. The other thing I would say is that biodiversity, as, as you've probably got it, an idea at this stage, is something that's really close to my heart. And earlier this year, I called for a citizens assembly on biodiversity because biodiversity is being lost at an alarming rate. And a citizens assembly just had its very first meetings in the last couple of weeks where they're going to put in place a series of recommendations as to how we can stop the alarming rate of biodiversity in Ireland. So they're kind of things that I've, I've, I've brought my passion of wildlife into, into work. And would you believe that's more difficult now with the situation in Ukraine? Achieving climate action targets, yeah. you mean? Definitely, it, it, it presents 
challenges. It's a, it's a really good question, by the way. <laughs> it, it presents challenges, but it potentially could also present opportunities because as you probably are aware at this stage with the terrible invasion in the Ukraine, the EU nations and UN nations have introduced a whole load of sanctions on Russia. And a lot of these are financial sanctions where they've stopped trading with Russian companies to try and hit the economy of Russia and therefore hit Putin in the pocket. One of the ways that we could probably most effectively do that is through the stop buying oil and gas from Russia. We every day, the EU contributes about half a billion euro to Russia through purchase of oil and gas. So if we stop that, it's going to be difficult for a while because you're going, potentially going to an increase in energy costs. You're going to lead to an increase in transport costs. But not only do you put sanctions and penalties on a country that has legally invaded another country, but you're also forcing a look at alternative sources of energy. And the big one that we have here right on our doorstep in Ireland is wind and particularly floating offshore wind. We have the potential not, not just to create enough energy to power all of Ireland's energy needs, but to actually sell energy, renewable, clean, renewable energy back into Europe, which would benefit the economy here as well. So it's going to be challenging, but there's opportunities there as well. What are the highs and lows of your job? That's a, a really good question. I'll start with the highs. I mentioned the Climate Action Bill. And when you can introduce legislation that is really going to make a difference on people's lives. So, so there, I, and, and there's some fantastic work going on at the moment, particularly with some of our female TDs and senators who are doing fantastic work on things like women's health. And there's some very important legislation coming through the Oireachtas and the Doyle at the moment in relation to women's health, because it's something that we've ignored and haven't done enough on over the last couple of years. But yeah, it, it's, and, and as well, the, the, the gang in my office are absolutely amazing. And I have to mention them here because they're incredible. The work that they do in, in the office in Clannacilty when, I mean, the range of queries that a, a TD's office gets is, 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 is mad. You could get a, a whole host of different issues, but when you help someone out, whether it's with something simple like a passport, even though we shouldn't be having to do that, but if we can help someone out with a passport with, you know, advise someone on how best maybe get a social home and, and get a roof over their heads, that type of thing makes a difference. But the lows, certainly the commute from clan to Doyle is, you know, I'm, I'm over that at this stage. It's <laughs> up and down like an absolute yo-yo. Um, the other one then is probably something that you, you'd have read and been aware of is, um, you know, you get a, a lot of hassle online from kind of faceless people from bots. You know, it's, it's pretty tough. It's especially tough on female politicians who, without a doubt, I mean, I get abuse, I, I, I get harassment. It's not nice. It shouldn't be happening. And it's tough for, me, for my family to see that. But then when I compare it to what I see some of my female counterparts getting, I mean, it gets really personal, horrible, horrible stuff. And it's all these people behind the keyboard who are never going to make themselves known and never show their faces. So, and this is, it's not just happening in politics, it's happening in schools, it's happening with young people. And it's something, again, we're, we're actually in government, we're introducing the online safety media regulation bill, where the idea is that we will crack down on this anonymous abuse and trolling online because whether you're in politics or in school, it's, it's tough to take. Do you have any future plans? Um, how far into the future are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, obviously everybody wants to kind of be leader of their country, but I'm going to, I'm thinking past politics already, you know, no, I definitely, I would love to be a minister. 
Minister of obviously Environment, Climate Action, or even Heritage and Biodiversity. And, you know, that is something that, I, you know, I, I always say it's, it's easier to do a job when you're passionate about the job that you're doing. And politics can be such a range of different issues. For example, I've never owned and run a business, so it's very tough for me to be an expert on that. But I know I absolutely love climate action. I love biodiversity. So to be a minister in, in that role and yeah, Taoiseach, why not? What do you love? <laughs> uh, we have one from Cork at the moment. I think he's doing OK. He's, you know, he's, he's making the he's starting to um, endear himself to the public. But um, yeah, something like that. But post that, then I'd love to as get into wildlife, maybe make a documentary about Ireland's wildlife or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. And travel. I need to travel more. There's lots of places I haven't been. Would there be any destination specifically? Yeah, so I've never been to the continent of Africa, which is considering someone who loves wildlife. I mean, that's, it's, it's all there. So I'd love to do a safari or, you know, I've never been to India. I know I would love to go to Antarctica. I think that would be absolutely amazing. Probably wouldn't be, you know, the most comfortable. You wouldn't be staying in a five-star hotel or anything, but I'd love to go to Antarctica. <laughs> Do you have a hero? Yeah, I suppose, like, you could answer this two ways. My, my, my local hero would be my sister. And she was actually a teacher in this school. And she is one of those people who, you know, you just, who would do anything for you and drop everything for you. And also... Are you good at multitasking? I can, but like sometimes it doesn't work out, you yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I can't do it at all. I can I can literally focus on I, I'm, this interview. If anyone, if you try to do anything else, I'd be in trouble. But Anna's one of these people that like she can do five things at once. So I, honestly, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my sister, Anne. And she's also really sound as well. So that helps. So I think that definitely Anne. And uh, Attenborough, I think, you know... I, I really am not looking forward to the day that we don't have David Attenborough in this world anymore because I don't know who the next kind of wildlife hero or ambassador is going to be. We need another David Attenborough because more than anybody, he has convinced the world that we need to do more to stop biodiversity loss. So yeah, he's, he's a bit of a legend, in fairness. What's your favorite motto? I don't, I don't really subscribe to, to mottos. So. <laughs> There's one I used to use in school because I was lazy. I would say, don't do today what you can put off until tomorrow. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you can read into that. <laughs> the, the, one I, the one I would say is something I've noticed is you're way, I don't, I'm not sure if this is the motto, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it if it is. You're way, off, you're way better off being time rich than money rich. So what I mean by that is that I know people who they like earn substantial amounts of money but they just have no time with their family they've no time with their friends they've no time to enjoy it and something that i've noticed particularly since coming in, into this job which is really time consuming but luckily i love every second of it but you just end up valuing that time with your friends and family and doing things you love more so i mean if if to anybody out there if you could try and strike a balance between obviously you need an income and, and you need to earn but you know don't work yourself into the you know give yourself time with family and friends because you know before you know it that that time will be gone you know i'd say that's a pretty good motto thank you i'm yeah. just can you just put it that down christopher <laughs> sullivan said that okay what advice would you give your teenage self yeah oh god there's a lot i would say to teenage my teenage self <laughs> there's a couple of things and and like without getting too deep is first of all be less self-conscious 
I remember just always caring too much about what other people talk, thought of me. And it, it kind of, it, you, it, it makes you go around in this constant state of nervousness, like, you know, sweaty palms and, and you know, you, you, it affects your self-esteem and you're always thinking about whether, so I'd go back to my younger self and say, listen, it's grand, you're fine. You know, don't be caring what other people think of you, be, be, be your own person. And the second thing I would say is, and I, I do think this is important advice, be patient, as in don't be in a massive rush to find out who you are and, you know, what makes you, you tick and who you should hang around with or shouldn't hang around with. I didn't really finally find out and figure out who I really was and, and what I loved and what I liked until I was honestly into my late 20s. I was nearly 30 by the time I discovered. And when you discover that, you become... And, and you don't care what anybody else, that's when, when you combine those two, when you discover what you like and what you like doing and, and who you like hanging around with. And when you also tell yourself not to care about what other people think about you, it is such a, a relief and, and a, a weight off your shoulders. So just be patient. You know, the, those being young can be tough. It can be amazing, but it can be tough because, you know, there's so much pressure on you from so many different angles. But be patient. You find out who you are eventually. And when you do, you are comfortable in your own skin and you just don't look back. Yes, they're very good words of advice. And thank you for coming today. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing interviewers. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.